the vibe check. I passed the vibe check. Hey guys, welcome to the show, welcome to the Monday show, welcome to I See Things a Little Differently, I am this little chemical, and uh, this is uh, going to be a, a, quite, a, quite, a, quite a journey, <laughs> uh, we have a lot to talk about, we also have my final top 10 moments of, like very particular top 10 moments, not like, not like the matches or whatever, it's more of like the, the some certain moments that happened. We went into the bad last week. Cause I wanted to start with the bad or the things I wanted to really nitpick on, since this is not a nitpicky show. But I also want to talk about the good. And this is one week before the Royal Rumble, so instead of waiting and doing predictions at the end of the week, I'm just gonna do them now, even though only four matches are signed. And the only four matches that are signed are Kevin Owens versus uh, Logan Paul for the United States Championship, the Women's Royal Rumble, the Men's Royal Rumble. And the World Heavyweight Championship match that will have Roman Reigns defending against L.A. Knight, A.J. Styles, and Randy Orton. So, um, let's just start. There's so much to get into. Uh, let's start with the, the, the news of the week. Um, there's actually two top stories, in my opinion. One is, it's official. Tanahashi, the new president of New Japan has announced, and so did Okada, that Okada, as of January 31st, will be his last day in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this took a lot of people by surprise. I actually called this in the prediction show. Um, and the reason I even called it is because the fact that we had even heard that he was even talking, like, I know that shouldn't be one of those things where it's like, oh, well, everyone, ta- uh, everyone talks. But that's the thing, though. It's like, this stuff doesn't usually leave New Japan. Like, people just will either say they're staying in New Japan or they're leaving New Japan. You know, they don't usually... It's we You know, and... Look, I don't think it's a bad relationship. I think he wants to explore his options. Uh, WWE is... Clear, Shawn Michaels and Triple H would love having Okada start off in NXT and then go to WWE's main roster and maybe even be a bigger impact or make a bigger impact than what Shinsuke Nakamura made. If you look at Nakamura's entrance, I mean, uh, debut, where he was just on the screen talking to Sami Zayn, holy crap. That match in NXT between Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn is still, probably is his best match in WWE. I would need to think about that some more. I, I think that was his best match in WWE, though. Um, but I can definitely see uh, them wanting him. But here's kind of the issue with these <laughs> New Japan guys, like him and Osprey, and they don't want to actually move to the states. That's not going to work in WWE. They're going to want him to do house shows all the time. There's different example. There they go to smaller markets like Knoxville, Tennessee, which will still pack the house. It's a smaller market, obviously, but it'll pack the house. You know, you don't think people are going to want to pay to see Okada at a house show? You know. Um, I don't think WWE, that, that's one thing that I think gives AEW kind of an advantage, is they can let people like Osprey and Okada um, live where they want to live and use them how they want to. That's not, that's not the way WWE works. WWE is a machine. 
for better or for worse. But they need their people all hands on deck all the time. If they like example, um, with this current injury with the uh, Seth Rollins, which we'll get to in a moment, um, Randy Orton has replaced him on house shows. You know, like what what happens if Orton got hurt again? Knock on wood and whatever. They're gonna, they're gonna want Okada to replace him or however they, however it works. Um, don't think that leaves them in the running. Now it's reported, and this look here. None of this has been confirmed by a source that I really trust, but it was reported that Okada wasn't making a lot of money in New Japan. That could be the big deal. That could be this could be his big contract. Air quotes, no air quotes. Case me doing air quotes before he hangs it up. And this is his payday. You know, I see it kind of like the NFL type of thing. You know, for, you first come in, you, you get the the market deal. That second contract is a it's a nice fat one, and probably gonna be the biggest one in your career. And then the third one is usually the the final one that's the the your last big payday. So if you get a fourth one, it's gonna be maybe a little over market value. And maybe this is his retirement plan. I'm sure he's not a broke, dude. Uh, you know, um, but look here, this guy just made an appearance at uh, TNA. That's not happening with WWE. You know, I know they want to start expanding more into Japan. That's definitely a Triple H thing. Um, but they're not gonna do what AEW does. They're not gonna let their talent just work for other people. A lot of times exclusive. Like John Moxley just made his AEW uh, debut for 2024 this past Saturday. It's the end of the fucking month of January. <laughs> he was in New Japan shows for the most part. So that's just something that I don't know if that's ever going to be a part of the DNA of WWE. You know, so this is a big deal. Um, but look, Okada's done everything. Uh, also, let's be real. Okada has done everything 10 times over that you can always do in, in, in New Japan. He has been their guy for years now. He's made events at how many times at the Tokyo Dome? He's won how many New Japan World Championships? He's won, what, three G1s? That's it. There's nothing else to do. I remember watching the ECW documentary, which was the best produced WWE documentary of all time. And Taz had said that he had gotten complacent in ECW. He had made the pay-per-views. He had won the World Championship. He was the World Heavyweight Champion. And that was their guy. Uh, Paul Heyman literally built the promotion around Taz. Like, when Taz had come back, when Taz came back, excuse me, and and literally, he just became a huge... For, for those of you who don't know, Taz, before he was Taz, was the Tasmaniac. He had this long... Uh, one He had one side of his head shaved, the other side was a long hair. It was an interesting look at best. Um, he breaks his neck on a spike pile driver. And he comes back, and he immediately begins to feud with Sabu. And then once he feuds with Sabu... Then he starts going for the world championship, but he still, he's, even though he's calling out Shane Douglas, he's still climbing that ladder. He's winning a TV championship. He's facing Bam Bam Bigelow. He's having the the, the matches with Bam Bam that the uh, going through the uh, the ring moments and stuff like that. So it, like it's it was booked so good. It's probably shoot man. I don't know if I would say it's his best booking job, Paul Heyman's, as far as ECW goes. Because I still think the Raven Sandman feud was. Um, really really good or, or the raven dreamer feud was really really good but i would say as far as the best person he ever booked was taz taz was what they that's just what they, it just was fantastic the way he booked him well anyways um i feel the same way about okada he's been booked in everything you can do and now with him t now with him going to forbidden door and him going all, all around having matches with other people in their promotions 
I feel like it's it, it's it's just time, and AEW can make a huge signing here. Um, and the good thing about him and Osprey is they already have Osprey locked down. We know that. The good thing about him and Osprey though is you don't have to, if they're gonna live in a different country, you don't have to have them on TV every week. You don't need them on TV every week. Like Brian Danielson, one of your biggest names, is not on TV every week. Moxley is not on TV every week. So when you see them or when we would see them, it would be special. So this is a big deal that he's leaving. A lot of people usually not 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 people that they built up leave. So I'm interested to see his next move. If WWE is able to get him, that would be a hell of a coup. And I do think Triple H would push this guy to the effing moon. I just don't think that he would be willing to move to this country. But you know, money talks. You know, let's say if they make him an offer like I don't know, seven eight million dollars a year. I'm just throwing a number out there. Or, or better number, they give him Brock Lesnar money, who's rumored to be coming back soon for WrestleMania 40. If they give him Brock Lesnar money, man, it, it's it's not it's not gonna be the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's it, 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 it's it's just that's that's game changer. And the other top story we just talked about a few seconds ago: Seth Rollins tears his MCL on a match, his match on Raw with Jinder Mahal, where he defended the World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, Torn uh, Torn MCL, and by the way, Rollins will open Raw uh, tonight. I'm recording this on a Monday, a rare Monday recording for me, I know. Um, But he will be opening Raw. I don't think he's vacating that championship. I personally don't, unless it's worse than what has been reported. Uh, Because Torn MCL, man, didn't he tear tear his MCL when Samoa Joe first made his uh, WWE main roster debut? Like, because Joe came in the ring, beat him up, because he was uh, Triple H's hired gun. And I remember vividly, when Samoa Joe had locked the coquina clutch on, you could hear Joe ask him, hey, are you good? And Rollins was like, I don't know. And he had torn MCL, and um, he didn't wrestle for two months. He made appearances at NXT, um, everything, but he didn't make make any matches, and he still made the WrestleMania match with Triple H. So if it's just a torn MCL, I say just a torn, it's not my body. But if it is a torn MCL, I don't think he needs to um, to, to vacate the championship. Now, if it's more serious, there goes WrestleMania plans. Because it was reported today, the, the plan, and this is from Dave Meltzer. And say what you want to about Meltzer, you know, I know. But the plan as of last week was to CM Punk versus Seth Rollins main event WrestleMania <laughs> Night 1. So now here's the thing also now. That's blown up. Now that could blow up the Royal Rumble too. So I am very interested to see where this goes. We to say I think he's opening as a way just to quell the rumors, and I think he's gonna definitely 100% be at WrestleMania Night One. This is his one chance to get a WrestleMania main event. He ain't giving that up. I don't see him giving that up. And this is Triple H's guy. This is for this is 100% Triple H's guy. I don't see him giving it up. So I'm going off of faith and by uh, uh, faith, not sight here, that he's going to just take a couple months off. Look, he's been a fighting world champion. You know, is, is that going to be a blow to a Raw brand going into WrestleMania? Yeah, but as I said, when he was feuding with Triple H, he still made appearances. You know, he could still make appearances. It's just he won't be defending that world heavyweight championship. So uh, that's that's going to be a tough one if he does it if he does it to vacate. Now, if he does it to vacate it. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I don't even know what you do. Do you make the Royal Rumble then for the World Heavyweight Championship? At that point, 
who who wins? You know, do you then do you then change the main event stuff? Like, look here, it's already rumored. It's already thing. It's already thing that Rock and Roman are gonna main event WrestleMania. Supposedly, I don't believe that. I I don't believe it. I just don't believe it yet. I still think there's a chance for uh, not Survivor Series for Elimination Chamber. That's just me though. Or maybe I'm sniffing the hopium. I don't know. Maybe I'm sniffing the hopium too hard on Cody finishing his story. You know. Um, but I, I I don't know. But if he has to vacate it, that's gonna be interesting. And what do you do? Do you vacate the title till WrestleMania and have it headline night one? I wouldn't do that. That sounds awful. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's going to make things look very interesting if he has to vacate it, but I have no clue what you do if he vacates. I really don't. Let's get to Raw. Um, R-Truth, you could see before you knew there was tension in the Judgment Day, right? But now you can see it. Damian Priest really likes R-Truth, and the rest of Judgment Day doesn't. And they won't accept him. And this week was one of the funniest segments ever where... R-Truth is bootlegging merchandise of the Judgment Day. He gives them all cuts. And it looked like it was rolling $100 bills. I don't know if it was, but it looked like it was rolling $100 bills. He broke. He keeps breaking Damian Priest. Is Nick, is Nick okay? I can't find him on Facebook. Um, he sounds just like a bootlegger, by the way. Um, but this, this is going to be the split. I, I, I'm assuming. This is just me. I'm assuming those tag team championships, if they're not... I'm still thinking the plan for WrestleMania is Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. One-on-one. Um, and that's gonna be a hell of a match. But and also, I will say this too: going back to that World Heavyweight Champ, that could be an opening. That could be the way you get the title off him if you need to vacate it, or if you don't know what the future lies, you can put that World Heavyweight Championship on them. There's still money in the bank going on. If I'm being real with you guys, I don't think they know what to do with that belt. I mean that 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 box or whatever you want to call it. Signed Tony Storm in that box. Um, I don't think they know what to do with it. And I, and I don't think they know how to get it off him. Because, once again, Damian Priest is another Triple H guy. So, the last thing you want to do is hurt him by having him lose in the dumbest way. So, I'm very interested. This, this, I didn't even think about this until I started talking about it. But, all oh, this is very interesting. I, I do like where the Judgment Day stuff is going. Because um, it's clearly going, it's going into a breakup. I mean, it's almost been two years at this point. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be time for them to break out, but it's going to be interesting. DIY did defeat the Judgment Day, uh, J.D. McDonough and uh, Dom. And they're clearly, I think they're going to put those tag team championships on DIY. I think that's where, where all this is heading, which is going to be a great move. And on social media, CM Punk said, hey, next week, me and you, Cody, go face-to-face, one-on-one. So, look here. I, there's no matches signed as of this recording as that I saw but you have Seth Rollins opening to talk about his future and the World Heavyweight Championship then you have a face to face with Cody Rhodes and CM Punk who is yet to have his first match in WWE which we know is going to be at the Rumble which is next Saturday but that's still a huge deal so I don't know I'm here for, for, the, for those two segments alone everything else we'll have to figure, figure that out Smackdown Roman Reigns refuses to sign the contract for the Fatal 4 match at uh, the Royal Rumble. Nick Aldis then threatens that if Reigns doesn't sign it, he will vacate the championship. This guy, Nick Aldis, has been up the bloodline's butt. Now, I love it. Like I, said, I could see him having some matches here as a general manager. I just don't think you should have your general manager lose a lot. 
So those matches have to be very, very sparse, and, you know, and every, and they'll have to make sense as well. Um, and also, uh, Randy Orton uh, beats Solo Sokoa. At the end, he lays out Roman Reigns. Reigns did sign the, uh, the contract once everyone was beat down, but uh, Orton got the last laugh and got the RKO on him. And also, Butch is finally dead. After literally months of rumors, months of rumors, now we have Pete Dunne is back. Pretty cool. Um, good to see his name there. And um, it's just really cool. Because to, to, that's, 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 that's what the money is. It's not in Butch. It's in Pete Dunne. You know, uh, the Brawling Brutes is kind of over. I think Sheamus is still injured. Uh, Rich Allen, I think he's injured too. Uh, but either way, I think it's just it's just one of those situations where I don't know why Vince had a thing for changing names. But I guess he wanted to wipe the stink of NXT off. I don't know. But anyways, so um, let's get to the predictions right now. Because the rest of the show is going to be AEW-based. Because I talked about all WWE stuff. Um... The Royal Rumble predictions. So, Kevin Owens challenges for the United States Championship against uh, Logan Paul. I still think that that United States Championship is going to LA Knight, and that's his moment at WrestleMania 40. So, I'm going with uh, Logan Paul to retain that championship. The Women's Royal Rumble winner. This is very interesting here, because I actually don't know who. I did see the face-to-face with Becky Lynch and uh, Rhea Ripley. Where she said, you might be better than me. And I need to figure that out. Becky Lynch said this. I think Becky Lynch is going to become your first ever two-time Women's Royal Rumble winner. I can't think of anyone else it could be. I know Naomi is going to make her... We all know Naomi. She just literally did a taping. The last TNA taping, which was last week. Where essentially she said goodbye to TNA and how it was a game changer. Which it was. I'm not going to sit here and say it was a game changer for her. But the way they treated her was like a top star. And think about this. For a woman like Naomi, she literally didn't have a bad career in WWE to begin with. She went from being a funkadactyl to a battle royal winner, women's tag team champion, women's tag team, women's world championship on what two or three occasions. Like she didn't have a bad career to begin with. She was treated like a top star. She won their top prize. Um, so that's that's hella praise for her. I don't think Naomi's winning that Royal Rumble, though. I mean, the only person that can be... It's clear that... Look here, they have been building to Becky Lynch versus uh, Rhea Ripley for months. They've been doing little teases since freaking August when uh, Becky was in that feud with uh, Trish Stratus. So it's not that surprising. I mean, plus, it's, I think everyone called this anyway. But I don't see anyone else that can do it. I mean, you have top names that are going to be in there like Kyrie Sane... Um, but I think those, I think those women's tag team championships are going to them. So I think that's where the, their matches and their focus is going to be. You still have Bianca Belair, which I can see her being you know, the last one in there with Becky. But I think Becky's going to win it. So uh, that's my pick there. Uh, as far as the World Heavyweight Championship, Reigns is retaining. This match was clearly, clearly to protect Orton. And I say that with no disrespect. I say it, it's like you have Reigns coming, you have Orton come back. Do you really want him being pinned so soon? And so I, I think this is their way to put LA pin LA Knight or AJ Styles, more so LA Knight, and then you can still get a one-on-one match from Reigns and Orton down the road if you want to. So I got Reigns retaining, and in the only other matches signed, there's only four matches that have been signed. Um, you have the Men's Royal Rumble winner, and I 
I don't think there's any. I I know the betting odds are Gunther is number two and Punk's number one. They're the, Punk's winning. Once again, these predictions are being done before the announcement from Rollins. If anything changes, then it just whatever. But if things stay the course, if Punk's winning. He's going on to main event night one of WrestleMania. It's against Seth Rollins. That's just what I believe in. Um, and also, let's t- touch these top ten Royal Rumble moments. Uh, just like I said, these are moments that, that it's not about the matches per se. It's about just certain little moments that I can nitpick and say, man, I can watch. I could rewind that and watch it over and over three or four times because it's just such a good moment, right? So last week we got really nitpicky with the bad stuff. We're gonna get really nitpicky with the good stuff, okay? Number one, and by the way, for those of you guys who are new to this, when I say number one, I'm not necessarily ranking them in an order. This is just how I wrote them. Number one, Sami Zayn pulls the trigger, Royal Rumble 2023, in one of the hottest, loudest moments in Royal Rumble history. Kevin Owens is handcuffed. Reigns is going to bash his brain in. Sami Zayn can't sit by and watch anymore. It's like, well, stop, stop. This whole, you felt the tension. I was watching at home. I had taken off of work that night. I would, I always do it for the Royal Rumble. And I'm watching, and you could hear the crowd. And once again, as a lot of you guys know, I watch wrestling on mute. This entire match was all, not on mute. The crowd just building, it's building, it's building, it's building. And Sami Zayn gets in ring. He says, "Whoa!" And the crowd says, "Oh!" That audible gasp of, what, what, "What the hell? Is this where what's going on?" So then, Roman Reigns hands him the chair and says, "Pull the trigger." And Sami Zayn's like, "He's he's conflicted." And he's like, "Pull the trigger. This is my life. This is." Reigns is just going off. He starts smushing his face, going off. Finally, Sami Zayn does it. He nails Roman Reigns with the chair. Paul Heyman is shocked. The Usos are shocked. Zayn throws a chair down, looks at Jey Uso and says, I'm sorry. Man, I called you my brother, man. I called you my... Then, J- then Jimmy just super kicks Zayn. And then the beatdown happens. And it, it's one of the greatest moments. And that, by far, is the greatest ending to a Royal Rumble pay-per-view of all time. And I love the Royal Rumble match itself. That's just that's just my favorite match of all time. No moment will top that. And I, I don't care what anyone says. That moment, just that storyline, it just built and built and built. And you knew they were just at that point in time with the Bloodline story. You knew they hadn't even gotten into halfway into the story yet. But holy hell, what a moment. Number two, 2003. Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle put on a wrestling clinic for the WWE World's Heavyweight Championship. And it ends with Kurt Angle making Benoit tap out. And I still to this day believe that was the night Vince McMahon said next year he's winning the Royal Rumble. At the end of the match, Benoit's limping. He stands up. He gets a standing ovation. And this match, like you knew Benoit wasn't winning the title. And me being such a Benoit fan at that time, I was like, man, he's not going to win. So you kind of lose interest, right? But then you, have this, you see this match. And you see what Kurt Angle and Benoit do. Because if you look, if you think about it, Benoit and Kurt Angle, they were coming up together. They had a match at WrestleMania that Kurt Angle won. I think it was WrestleMania 17 where Kurt Angle had cheated. But it was such a technical a masterpiece. This outdid it by miles. And that's saying a lot because that WrestleMania 17 match is fantastic. But this match, it just took it to another level. And all the hope spots 
even me as a fan, I was like, are they going to pull the fucking trigger right now? Are they going to do it? Are they, they going to do what WCW wouldn't do until his la- very last fucking night? For, for those of you who don't know, uh, Benoit, on his very last night in WCW, was booked to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. So he was, he was already a World Heavyweight Champion. He still left the company the next day. Um, and so you see it, and then you see this the standing ovation. Benoit had some moments, man. And this guy, boy, oh boy, he just had to fuck all that up. But these these are moments that you, you just won't hear about a lot of times because so many people can't. And I, this is not a knock. Just a lot of people can't separate the uh, the talent from the human, which I I can, but a lot of people can't. So I, and I understand, but that was a hell of a moment. Number three, Maven eliminates The Undertaker. Maven, who's become a YouTuber recently, um, Maven was the first Tough Enough winner. And so 2002, Undertaker is in his uh, heel face. And this guy, even in his heel face, just, he, Undertaker, you look at his 2002, it was a very interesting year. He defeated Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship. He had that hell of a match with, with Jeff Hardy in the ladder match where Jim Ross just had the famous call, Climb the ladder, kid! Make yourself famous! And it, it was pretty amazing. But this right here... If Maven was going to be a star, this was a star-making moment. Even then, with that being said, this is still his greatest moment. I can't think of any other Maven moment but this. Maven comes out. The Undertaker is in the ring. He's been, he was dominating. He threw the Hardy Boys out by himself. And now he's just beating the fuck out of Maven. Finally, the next entrant come out. Maven is sitting there. Uh, Undertaker is sitting there looking at the entrance. Maven does a picture-perfect drop kick. And Undertaker, what a sell. He just went over. T- it was so perfect. That roof blew off that place. And Undertaker just looks at Maven. Maven just sees his bald head. He, 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 he rubs his bald head. He's like, what did I just do? He couldn't believe he, he couldn't believe it, right? Undertaker then pulls him underneath the ring ropes, beats the living hell out of him. He gives him chair shots to the head, puts his head through a popcorn machine. It was like, holy crap. But what a way to at least debut a star and say, hey, this this is our next guy. He didn't, he wasn't that next guy, but what a hell of a moment that was. Number four, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels have their own match to end the 2007 Royal Rumble. This was the first time I can think of that two people had like essentially like this. You know how Gunther and Cody had like a 10 minute match at the end of last year's Rumble. This was the first time that it happened. That I can think of. I was thinking about it. No one else had had like this. So you had the final four of Rated RKO, Edge and Randy Orton, Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker. Now at that this point in time, Shawn Michaels was the only one to win a Royal Rumble in, in, this, in this last four. RKO, Rated RKO were a tag team. So they're teaming up. They're trying to get uh, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker over the top row. So Shawn Michaels is down. Undertaker's down. Shawn Michaels gets up. He Edge swings a steel chair at him. No, excuse me. Randy Orton runs to him. Shawn Michaels eliminates Randy Orton with a back body drop. Edge has a steel chair. He goes to hit uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels ducks it. Super kicks Edge outside the ring. Now it's down to two. The place is going crazy. Shawn Michaels is down. Undertaker sits up. Shawn Michaels nips up. Now the place is going crazy. These two then began to have, I believe, about four to five minute mini match of eliminations. And you're it's just two hope spots after the other. And now... Supposedly, the rumor is that was supposed to be Triple H's spot because he was going to main event WrestleMania that year with 
John Cena in a rematch from the previous year. I'm going to assume that John Cena was going to lose that match. No, never know, right? So anyways, Undertaker ends up eliminating Shawn Michaels, wins his first and only Royal Rumble, but it took him a hell of a, a, hell of a Herculean effort to do it. To this day, I can just watch the Final Four, and that's breathtaking enough. The Cody and Gunther moment was good too, but it wasn't. It wasn't this. This was the I think the first time it happened, and it was perfection. Number five, Kane's two thousand one Royal Rumble. So what became what was known as the Diesel spot has now become more of the Iron Man. But Diesel was the first person to really come into the Royal Rumble and eliminate a ton of people. Right, and so that became the diesel spot. Every year, someone had a diesel spot. It was a, it was supposed to be like a, a star making moment. That was Diesel's star making moment, right? Well, here was Kane's. I, I believe to this day, Kane has the most eliminations in the, the Royal Rumble history. But it started with this. I, up until this point, Kane's Royal Rumble history was not very good. <laughs> Ninety eight, he was in the Royal Rumble. Ninety nine, he eliminated himself because he was in some weird storyline where the. Um, Corporation was trying to send him back to the the, the loony bin, so he eliminates himself and runs out. Which, anyways, 2000, uh, he got eliminated by X Pac after eliminating X Pac. X Pac came in because the referees didn't see it and eliminated Kane. Here, Kane went crazy. Kane eliminated all the mid carders. He was hitting people with trash cans, uppercuts. He put Taz on the top rope, hit him with the uppercut, eliminated him. He was all over the place to where he was down to the final two. With Steve Austin, it took three steel chair shots to the head and one clothesline over the top rope. One moment for Kane. I still watch that 2001. I know some people say it's the greatest rumble of all time, uh, or it's up there with the 92 rumble. I enjoy it. Um, I think what made the 2001 rumble beloved as much as it was, as, or a little bit under, or as much, depends on who you are. Is the 2000, excuse me, is the 92 rumble is because anyone could have won that one. The names in that rumble were Rikishi, freshly heel turned, The Rock, Steve Austin, Kane, Undertaker. So there was some big names in that rumble. You know, you had the returning Big Show, which no one knew about. But you had some big names in that rumble that could have won. And at that time, Triple H wasn't in the rumble. He had just lost the WWE Championship match to Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle wasn't even in the rumble. So like, you're like thinking like a heel is going to WrestleMania, so you didn't know who was going to win. Little did we know that the switch-up was going to be The Rock and Austin, but they teased it here in the Rumble. But this was a hell of a moment for Kane, and I enjoy it. Number six, this is very, I told you, we're getting very, very specific here. 2005's Royal Rumble. The elimination that Paul London took. Gene Snitsky tried throwing Paul London out. Paul London ended up on the apron. All of a sudden, Paul London takes his clothesline, does a flip, and hence face first. Still one of the best sales and one of the best eliminations of Royal Rumble history. I believe someone has said they spoke to Paul London about that. And he said to them, yeah, I got a lot of heat for that in back. They said you took away from other people. No, he didn't. No, he did not. This happened so early in the Rumble that people forgot about it by the time I got to the end. Well, they didn't forget about it, but you know, it was like now it's down to the fun. Now it's down to the top brass, down to the business. Was it 2005? I think it was 2005. Yeah, but no one, no, yeah. And by the time I got to 2005, then you had to, because here's the thing I remember, Paul London gets eliminated, right, early in the Rumble by Gene Snitsky of all people. 
the final two in that in that uh, Royal Rumble was Cena and Batista, and they had the mistake of Batista trying to Batista pump, bomb John Cena outside the ring, and they both get eliminated. And so then Vince McMahon tears his quads coming out because the finish is ruined. The finish is ruined. So at that point in time, no one was thinking about the elimination. But apparently, he got a ton of heat for it. it I, look here, we all at some point in time have worked a job. At some point in time, I guarantee you, we've all had heat with somebody or multiple people. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. I'm just here to watch the show. <laughs> I'm to watch it. But it was a hell of a elimination. I loved it. Number seven. Speaking of the 92 Rumble, Bobby Heenan's commentary on 92 Rumble is the best commentary work of his career. And I, and I mean the entire show. The entire show is fantastic. When you get to the Rumble, it gets he amps it up and ramps it up. But the entire Rumble pay-per-view is Bobby Heenan's magna opus as a commentator. Eight, Austin wins after being eliminated. The 97 Royal Rumble was a very, very, very weird bag of shit. You had Mil Mascaris in the Rumble. You had some other people <laughs> from Mexico in the Rumble who I don't remember their names. It was, it was them. You had the fake Diesel in the Royal Rumble. You had the fake Razor Ramon in the Rumble. <laughs> Jerlaw come in from commentary just to jump in the ring, take two uppercuts from Bret Hart, and be eliminated from the Royal Rumble. Meanwhile, Steve Austin has not just the Iron Man award for the for the year, he also has the Diesel Spot of the Year. He came in at number four, eliminated a bunch of people, has the famous meme where now he's looking at his his uh, his wrist as a watch. Um, you didn't have the moment of him and Bret Hart facing each other one-on-one, going at it back and forth. That's when it really slowed down. Mil Mascaris supposedly did not want to be eliminated, so he had to eliminate himself. So he, he went, he, he threw someone over the top rope just to get into the ring and go over the top rope himself because he wouldn't let anyone do a, a, he wouldn't job for anybody, which is fucking hilarious. But it's the biggest, just biggest, weirdest rumble of all time. And meanwhile... Bret Hart eliminates Austin. The place in San Antonio goes crazy. The referees don't see because Terry Funk and Mankind are brawling on the other end. Austin comes in after uh, Bret eliminates Undertaker and Vader and eliminates Steve Austin. Meanwhile, you have Bret going back, grabbing Vince, saying, You see what just happened? I just got screwed. And Austin leaves with his first Rumble victory, the first of three. Great stuff. Number nine. The debut of AJ Styles in 2016. This was anticipated. So, it had been rumored that, well, first of all, he had left TNA. He had did a stick in New Japan where he had, uh, his last match was at Tokyo Dome where he put over Shinsuke Nakamura in a classic. And it was rumored the entire time that WWE uh, had signed AJ Styles, Nakamura, the Good Brothers, right? So, nothing was confirmed. I tell this story all the time. I, I love this story. It's rumored all week that he's going to be in WWE. Well, there's an ROH show 10 minutes away from me in Atlanta. And AJ Styles is booked for it. Oh, I got to go. I have to be there. I, I got to get an autograph or something, right? Because who knows when the next time you're going to actually see this guy ever, right? So I go to um, the show, get an autograph, um, stay for the show, and they start throwing the streamers in the ring. And as they're, and AJ Styles about to cut a promo, and as they're trying to clean the room, he says, "No, no, no, stop! I don't know when I'm gonna see this again." 
and the place goes crazy because that that was the confirmation that he was going to WWE without being confirmation. He said, "I just want to enjoy this. Let me just I don't know if I'm gonna see this again." That was on Saturday. The very next night, in one of the worst jobs Kevin Dunn has ever done. You have Roman Reigns' face. You have, you don't want none. Brand new music. No one knows this music. They're in fucking Florida. Roman Reigns is just looking, confused. They have the camera on him. And they miss, the, they miss AJ Styles coming up, but the place goes crazy. And then all of a sudden, AJ Styles comes out. Now he's officially in the WWE. He's there for the rest of his career. We all know that. And what a career. And what a 2016 he had. Defeating John Cena twice, winning the WWE Championship. He has been treated very, very well. But it started with this debut right here, which was kind of botched on Kevin Dunn's part. And finally, 10. I was in the building for it. It was a hell of a moment. Drew McIntyre eliminates the WWE Champion Brock Lesnar and wins his one and only Royal Rumble. I know he didn't have his WrestleMania moment. That was his WrestleMania moment right there. Because that place, I was in the building for that. That place went crazy when he eliminated Brock Lesnar. Those are my top 10 good uh, moments. I hope you guys enjoyed the, the two lists we did. I tried to have fun with them. Try to be as nitpicky as possible. And so, I hope you guys enjoyed it. So anyways, let's get uh, back to the news and notes. AEW. Let's talk about Dynamite. Tony Storm is killing it. This is, but it is funny. I thought about this as I'm watching, because the one thing AEW has been doing on YouTube that I've been loving, they've been doing timelines, and they'll put like a two and a half hour, three hour thing. So like it's like the best of Daily's place. Tony Storm becoming timeless. Tony Storm, uh, Send Hook. I haven't watched all of them, but like I, if you see the origins and stuff, it's just pretty cool. I thought about this. This is, if Vince McMahon would have like actually believed in Tony Storm, and once again. This is all Vince. This ain't Triple H thing. Because Triple H brought Tony Storm to NXT UK, which where she beat Rhea Ripley for the NXT UK Championship. With a te- with an act like this, I could only imagine the action figures that would be done. I'm actually stunned right now that Ringside Collectibles has not done a Ringside Collectibles exclusive of Timeless Tony Storm. Because they have a Tony Storm figure coming out with the AEW Women's Championship, but that is the old that's the Outcast version of Tony Storm, which I understand they're. When you mass produce stuff, like those versions are gonna come out first. But like she's in the video game now, but it's like the old version. I'm actually surprised they haven't done a timeless version of her. But she's killing now. This is the best work of her career. And I know at first some people were saying like they don't know how long this, this can go for a year. And and you build it up to where I don't know if Mariah May should be the one to, to take the title from her, but Mariah May should be the one to cost her the title and then beat her. Like one on one in a one on one match. Um I just don't know if Mariah May is ready for that spot yet. We'll have to see. Um, but she's killing it. And when she said the whole line of, I ought to go in there and beat you in that box. All the innuendo. Uh, but anyways, Deanna Perrazzo defeated Anna Jay. She's clearly being built for to be the challenger um, for Revolution. And I'm going to say this here. I put this in here specifically to remind myself of this. <sighs> if you have a problem with a woman's body, first of all, look in the mirror. Because your body probably is shit. Second of all, keep it to your fucking self. Who cares, bro? Deanna Perrazzo is a thicker woman. She looks just good. She looks just fine. Like, she is a gorgeous crea- uh, creation. Like, she's a, just she's just a thicker woman. But this is what I'm confused about. Willow is thicker is, is thick as well. And they both look fantastic. And they're both great wrestlers. So so cut this. Just, just cut it. And let's, and let's move on. 
Anyways, Hook has arrived. They sent Hook in the main event for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Samoa Joe in his first title defense. Boy, oh boy, was this a fun match to watch. A Uranagi through the table. This kid took a beating in front of his dad. And ironically, in front of one of Joe's mentors. Uh, the connection there. How, how funny the world can be sometimes. But he gets choked out. He kicks out of the uh, muscle buster at one. And now, in fairness, Joe did take his time. So, I, I you know, whatever. But still, it was a hell of a kick out. A surprise kick out. Look here. Um, I thought this was a great move for Hook. I do. The only critique I have, he could have sold a little bit more sometimes. Outside of that, he's gonna. He's. He's. We are. I thought we already knew he was gonna be money, but now you put him in there with a guy like Joe. But what a match this was! I thought this was fun. Christian Cage retains his TNT Championship against Dustin Rhodes, and the Bang Bang Gang, Bullet Club Gold, are the new ROH Trios Champions. My own. Here's my thing. It's, it's never a bad thing. To see Jay White with gold around his waist or silver around his waist. But if this is going to relegate him, I don't care about, and no disrespect to the ass boys or the gun club. But if you're going to, and I don't think this is the case, but if if they're going to put these guys or relegate them to ROH, take those titles off him. I do not want to see Jay White in ROH at all, nonetheless full time. But they defeated the Mogul Embassy. And then on Collision, they finally accept the offer from the acclaimed and Billy Gunn to be a part of the Bang Bang Scissor Gang, which I'm assuming this means they're going to be the ones going after the Undisputed Kingdom. And also in a great paper, in a great uh, vignette or interview, excuse me, the Young Bucks go full EVP. They knock CM Punk supposedly. Air quotes, no air quotes, you can see me doing air quotes again. But this is what fans already think they are. So why not give the fans what they are think they are and just leave it there? So I I, I love I love this side of them. Um, it's kind of questionable though if they're gonna be. The, I'm assuming they're gonna be the 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 opponent for Sting at Revolution. That's what was rumored last week. But Darby says that they're going for the tag team championships now. So I wonder if they're gonna screw them over. The Young Bucks will screw over Sting. And Darby and give them their one and only loss and then lose to them at Revolution. I want I don't know, but I, I like this version of the Young Bucks. They haven't been doing much, you know. They've been gone for months. They were gonna take more time off supposedly, and then Sting came to them and said, "Hey, you know, I want you guys to be my last match." And of course, dude, stay, if the guy came to himself. How humble is that? This dude doesn't need. This dude could just went to Tony Stamm and good bucks. They're, they're my opponents. I don't care if they're on vacation. He went to them himself and said, "Kind of want you guys to be my." That's what an honor. You know, and what a run he's had. And we, as I said last week, we don't see this run without the Bucks, Cody, Omega, and Tony Khan. I, I liked where this is going. News and notes, Vikingo has signed an extension with Triple H. He is their guy. So, like, they're not going to let that guy go for nothing, which is a good move on their part. And his, more, and his part, I believe. Also, the rumored top, possible topics for the recently renewed Season 5 of Dark Side of the Ring. Is Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Harley Race, Bagwell, Kurt Angle, The Gentleman, Chris Adams, and Black Saturday. So, let's talk about these topics real quick. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, for these guys who don't know, what you can actually say about him is this guy had too much too fast. This guy, he got very lucky too. And I'm sure they're going to touch on this in the show. If this, is, if, if this list is real. But essentially, he came up, he was Hogan's friend. I think he still is Hulk Hogan's friend. And, um... 
he ended up, he ended up, getting, he ended up getting over with his gimmick, Bruce Barber Beefcake. And what happens is he ends up, I think he did a movie. Uh, what movie? I think it was No Holds Barred. So when you do a movie, you sign to the, the SAG, the SAG, uh, SAG Astra. Uh, and so essentially, they're a union in Hollywood. And like through them, you get all your benefits and stuff. You pay union dues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he, Brutus Beefcake, was, I think it was like a skiing thing or a water skiing thing. He ends up having a horrible fucking accident where, it, like, I think it, like, didn't, like, disfigure his face and, and it, it affected his brain. Either way, because he had paid the, the SAG dues, they paid for his surgery, which was, like, $200,000 or something like that. So thanks to them, he was able to get the surgery because he didn't have that money at the time, even though he was he was never a top guy, but he was making decent money. And so um, because of that, he was able to you know heal up and everything like that. He eventually did come back to the ring, but um, that's that story is very interesting alone. Alone, I wonder if they're going to touch on that. I don't know about any. I don't know about any other issues he had about as far as drugs because he was always. Because of who he was friends with, he was always going to be put in the best positions. So I think that's interesting. Harley Race is one I don't know of any drama with him. Um, but I'm not. But to be honest with you, I've only watched. I was a huge fan of Harley Race, but I never heard it. I, I, I'm, I, unless I'm missing something, I, I wonder what they're going to talk about with him. You know. Um, so I, I find that one to be fascinating. Buff Bagwell, that's a different story. This dude took fame and success to his head. He did steroids, drugs. I think he's like two years clean now. And Buff Bagwell did say last year uh, that they did film some stuff for him, uh, talking to him and his dad. I think him and his dad weren't talking for a while. Now they are talking. So that's going to be a, a interesting one. Kurt Angle. What can we say about Kurt? Perk Angle. You know, they're going to touch on everything there. I can only imagine the stuff they're going to touch on and things that will be revealed. I do wonder, though. Here's my thing. I do wonder, because I know they've the, the producers have said it's been kind of hard for them to get talent to, to interview after the whole plane ride from hell thing. Well, they call a lot of blowback for that. Now, were those people telling the truth? Sure. Did those people look good in the process? No. Especially Tommy Dreamer. Let's not relive that. But I wonder who they're going to get to interview for that. But Kurt Angle, that speaks for itself. We know what they're talking about with that one. Um, gentleman Chris Adams is one of the saddest stories in professional wrestling. This guy was the guy to first use a super kick as a finishing move. He was going to be a big star. He was Steve Austin's first partner. Uh, he ends up, uh, I believe, overdosing. Um, but I thought they already did. I thought, I could have swore Gentleman Chris Adams already had an episode on Dark Side of the Ring. But I, I could be wrong. But I saw a documentary about him before, though. I don't remember. Was it was a documentary? Or was it? No, it was. A, he was in the documentary, a WWE produced documentary. Never mind. Um, and I remember the documentary. But anyways, yeah. So that's gonna be a heartbreaker and a sad one as well. But the Black Saturday one, to me, that's gonna be this that this year's Bash of the Beach 2000. This one is fascinating, guys. For those of you guys who don't know, Black Saturday, what they dubbed it, when essentially. Vince McMahon, so at the time, WCW had Saturday Night on TBS, and they had to slot from 6.15 to 7.15. It was WCW, they had to slot. Well, Vince McMahon was doing his takeover at the time, and he went and bought the time from Ted Turner. So now Ted Turner has US, excuse me, now Vince McMahon has USA and TBS, so it was a one-two punch, and you have his product on everything. And he's taking the slots from... The WCW or NWA, whatever you want to call them. So, 
Ted Turner and him had a head, uh, and Vince had a handshake deal. Well, when they put WWE programming on, which was squash matches and shit like that, no one took to it because it wasn't they, it wasn't what they were used to. They were used to WCW slash NWA, not WWE style stuff. So now, Jimmy Crockett or David Crockett, excuse me, he goes to Vince and says, "I want my 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 time slot back. How much is, is it going to cost?" And Ted Turner wanted out of their agreement. Which was just a handshake. He, and it was his fucking network, so he could do whatever he wanted to fucking do. Well, Vince said, well, I need to be compensated. At the time, Vince was trying to do the first WrestleMania, which he hadn't done yet. So essentially, David Crockett paid a million dollars to Vince McMahon in order to get his slot back, which he did. But he paid for fucking WrestleMania. WrestleMania was more than a million dollars. But it helped to start the funding for the first WrestleMania. So how the world works in such weird fucking ways is amazing to me. There you go. Black Saturday. I wonder who's going to talk, talk, talk for that one. Probably David Crockett. He's done a lot of interviews recently. NWA, speaking of NWA. <laughs> Hard Times pay-per-view will be streaming on the CW app. They could have done... Oh God, man. I really wish they would have fucked this up. NWA could have done so much more. Anyways, let's talk about Rampage. Darby defeated Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy went to, uh, well, Darby went to go give Jeff a pound, and Jeff walked away. And I don't know what this is leading to, but I'm assuming it's going to build to the frustrations that the Hardys have been having as they keep losing and they keep being relegated to. Ruby Soho confronts Danny uh, XO after she saw the video of her kissing uh, the poor boyfriend. Danny then blames Anna Jay after, <laughs> which is, Soraya is just right behind. Ruby, all Ruby has to do is turn her head to see Soraya just like coaching Danny through it, and she didn't see it, which I thought was fucking hilarious. But anyways, um, now Ruby's gonna go for Anjay, who had nothing to do with this shit. <laughs> poor Anjay, she loses to Diona Perrazzo, then she's being accused of shit she had nothing to do with. Just poor woman. Chris Jericho defeated Matt Sydal in a match. Chris Statlander defeated Queen Anamita. I, I, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, honestly. Anyways, after the match, Stokely Hathaway looks like he's trying to put a wedge in between Willow and Chris Statlander. And let me tell you right now, I have no problem seeing Stokely Hathaway. He's hilarious. He's great. But if this leads to Willow and Chris going to ROH, you can fuck all the way off with everything I have in me. But this is clearly building a wedge between these two. And I think it's going to lead to a feud. Um, I don't know who's going to turn heel. I think it's kind of weird to turn Willow heel. heel. Um, I could see Chris Statlander being a heel. I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen Chris as a heel before. But I could definitely see her as more of a heel than Willow is. But um, this is. I think this was building to honestly. But yeah, if this is gonna send the ROH. I have no interest in this feud at all. Megan Bain has told Stardom she's done with them and she's moving back to the U.S. to work for AEW. Good for her. And on Collision, it was announced that next week. Adam Copeland will face Mizuru Suzuki for the first time ever. That's going to actually be a fun match. Claudio and Brian defeated Kingston and Ortiz. At the end of the match, Brian spits on Eddie Kingston. And then him and Claudio cut a hell of a promo afterwards where Brian says he does not respect Claudio and that he's coming for his titles. That looks to be the match at Revolution. And finally, last note, Tony Khan has announced the power rankings are coming back. Um, I had no problem with the power rankings before. They they, they, they tended to follow them pretty well. Um, so that wasn't ever an issue for me. 
Um, look here, it's good. It's just different, and it makes you go to their website and see and see these things. Like, like example, right now, Samoa Joe's being chased by two. Remember, I said my predictions. I thought that Samoa Joe would be a transitional champion. It looks like that's not the case. Because I think they're going to do... Well, one, they're definitely doing a triple threat match between Hangman and Swerve at Revolution. I think Hangman is in that match to take that fall. So Swerve doesn't have to take it. And then that can lead to Swerve saying, hey, I never got pinned. You never pinned me. I need my one-on-one match. I've beaten Hangman already. I'm past that. Because Hangman keeps... I mean, because Swerve keeps saying, I'm back. I don't have, I have nothing to prove to you. I'm past you. He keeps saying that. So, like, the power rankings can help with this type of stuff. So... Uh, but that's going to be a hell of a freaking match, though, too. Though. I can't wait to see that. So, anyways, guys, that is your Wednesday show. I mean, your Monday show. Jeez, I'm skipping days. Um, check me out on Wednesday. Um, I actually have all of February now lined up for Wednesday, you know, recording and everything. Wednesday, just to give you guys a rundown of what Wednesdays are going to be in February. We have Reacher Season 2 Review. Witcher Season 3 Review. We have, um, what else do we have? Invincible Season 2 Part 1 review. So we have a packed lineup for when, uh, for Wednesday on February and the rest of this year. And I don't know if I announced it already. I don't think I have. But here's the first announcement, which I, th- I think I said something in, on, this, on this upcoming Wednesday show. But I'll announce it here as well. It's been almost a year. Starting in March, it's done. March to the first week of May. It is dedicated to the retrospective of 24, my favorite show of all time. Please, I know you guys have been hassling me about it. Trust me, I recorded part of it, and then I wasn't feeling... Like, I got, I recorded the first two episodes. Of, and then I didn't... I wasn't feeling season three, and I, I, I had to go back to that. Record season four or five, went back, recorded three. It, it had to be the right... Uh, it had to be the right feeling for me. But it's all recorded. It will be uploaded, and that will be from your first week in March to your first week in May. That will encompass that in those months. I told you we have a packed Wednesday show for the beginning of the year. I told you guys we're here. We're working. Um, that is your Monday show. I am the Slow Chemical. This is I see things a little differently. Uh, me and JT are going to try to do a review of the Royal Rumble. I'm going to try to see if we can do a show that Sunday, next Sunday. Um, so that way it could come out Monday. If not, I will do a regular show for Monday. And um, that way you guys don't uh, miss on a Monday show and then do the review with him. I've never done a review with anyone. So I want to see how this goes. So uh, check me out next week. Check me out on Wednesday. I am Slow Chemical. We're out. <laughs>